0: All right, how are we doing, Elevate? We're doing good? Yeah, it is good to see you. Tell the person sitting next to you that they should be excited today. Amen. You're sitting beside them. You didn't want to do it, but you did it. So they need to be excited. Hi, I don't know about you guys really, but I am excited to be in God's house. It's always a joy when we can gather as God's people in God's house Uh, and worship Him. Uh, But my name is Robert Andrews. If you don't know me, one of the pastors here. We're in week three of a series uh, we are in called Motion. Motion, and what we are talking about is setting things in motion in our life. We started out by talking about miracles, how uh, there are times in each and every one of our lives where that's exactly what we need. We need God to do something great. We need a miracle, and so we talked about things that we can do to set a miracle in motion. Last week, We talked about trust, uh, how God doesn't want us to put our trust in possessions. He doesn't want us to put our trust in wealth. He doesn't want us to put our trust really in other people. He wants us to put our trust in Him. And so we talked about things that we can do to set our trust and to put our trust in Him and start that, put it in motion. And so this week, I want to talk to you about passion. I want to talk to you about setting passion in motion. Uh, see, I don't know if you've looked at the world around us, but if you have, you'll notice that the world in which you and I find ourselves living is really messed up. The world in which you and I find ourselves living is a really dark place. The, the world in which we find ourselves living is really evil. And so because of that, I believe that as followers of Christ, we should be passionate about our relationship with Him. We should be passionate about our faith. In fact, I would argue that that's actually how the Bible says that you and I should be when it comes to following Him. We should do it passionately. See, I want you to see what the Bible says. Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Look at what he says. He says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might so, Solomon says this, and Solomon, is, Solomon isn't just uh, some guy, Solomon was the wisest man to have ever lived. There was a time where God appeared to, to Solomon in a dream, and he said, Solomon, you tell me what you want, you ask for anything, and I will grant it for you. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't imagine being in that situation where God said, Hey, you ask me for one thing, one thing, and I will make sure I do it. I don't know what you would ask for, you might ask for wealth. You might ask for power. You might ask that there's never any more dust in your house. You might ask for a 1993 Ford Mustang Cobra. I don't know. You might ask for a whole lot of th- things, but, but Solomon doesn't ask for anything like that. Solomon asked for wisdom to lead God's people, and his request there is so impressive that God is like, Wow. Because you didn't ask for power over your enemies, because you didn't ask for wealth, because you didn't even ask for a long life, I'm not only going to make you wise, but I'm going to give you all those other things as well. And so Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, his advice to you, his advice to me is whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Basically Solomon said, don't just do something, don't just do the bare minimum, don't just do something very averagely, don't just do something in a mediocre way. He said, whatever you do, do it with all of your might. That means that if you are a husband, you should do that with all of your might. If you are a wife, you should Do that with all of your might. If you are a brother, you should do that with all of your might. If you are a sister, you should do that with all of your might. If you are a friend, you should do that with all of your might. If you are a Christian, you should do that with all your might. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Might. In fact, there's really three words I want to I want to give you, three words that each and every one of us really need to apply in our life. Three words I hope that you'll really let sink deep down in your soul. And those three words are and then some. Everybody say, and then some. Y'all gotta do better than that because remember, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Everybody say, and then some. That's a little better. I believe y'all could have done better. But again, we we want we don't want to just do what is expected of us you should do what is expected of you and then some don't just do what you are supposed to do do what you are supposed to do and then some and so i want you to see it and then some person in the bible it's in genesis chapter 24 it's a lady by the name of rebecca rebecca and so in genesis chapter 24 abraham is actually looking for a bride for his son Isaac. He's looking for a bride for his son Isaac, and uh, I don't know if you understand what's actually happening there. The the dad gets to pick. The bride, the dad gets to pick who's going to marry his child, and so, uh, you know, in the day and time in which you and I live, if you're single, uh, there are some options for you. Your parents don't pick who you're going to marry or who you're going to be with. I mean, like, if you're, you're single and, you know, you want to try to find somebody, you can get on eHarmony.com, right? Uh, you can check out Farmers Only because you don't have to be lonely, you know what I'm saying? You can get on... Uh, you can even try Craigslist, man. I've seen some pretty weird Craigslist uh, ads there. Uh, I mean, there are all, you can get apps on your phone. There are all sorts of options for you today if you are single uh, and you're looking for someone Uh, But during this time, again, the father chose. And as a father of three kids with two of those being uh, girls, I'm all about bringing this style of matchmaking back. I'd like to pick who my girls are going to marry. Any fathers know what I'm talking about? Don't you be bringing home some loser. You know what I'm saying? Let me pick them out. Uh, So Abraham is looking for a bride for his son. So he goes to his trusted friend Eleazar, one of his servants, one of his trusted servants, and he says, I want you to actually be the one that goes and finds my, finds my son a woman to marry. And the scripture says that Eleazar goes to a foreign country nearly 600 miles away. And this was way before planes, trains, and automobiles. This was before Uber. And so you know how he actually travels 600 miles on camel. He travels 600 miles on camel. I want you to see what the Bible says. Genesis 24.10, the Bible says this. Then the servant Eleazar left, taking with him ten of his master's camels loaded with all kinds of goods from his master. He set out for Aram Naharim and made his way to the town of Nahor. So again, folks, he's 600 miles on a camel. Don't you know that couldn't have been a pleasant experience? I mean, he probably started out the journey You know, excited. He was going on this adventure. He's looking for a bride for his best friend's son. I mean, he's excited, but he's on that camel. And after two miles, don't you know, he was like, "Ah, what did I get myself into?" Anybody? anybody, Can you imagine six hundred miles on a camel? On a camel, And and he's not just bringing one camel. He's got nine other camels tied to one another that he's dragging with him. This was a tough. Trip. This was a tough thing and so he's been traveling for God knows how long. He finally makes it to his destination. You know he's tired. You know he's a little frustrated. And so you know what he does? He gets to a well and he starts to pray. He basically prays and he says something along these lines. He's like, God, you got to do something here. God, I want you to help me to have success on this mission. God, I want you to send the person that you want Isaac to marry to me. Make it it the right woman. And God, I'm going to need a little help when this woman shows up. I'm going to need a sign from you. God, I'm going to need her to offer me something to drink. But not only am I going to need her to offer me something to drink, God, I'm going to need you to to do something crazy. Just so I know, God, I'm going to need her to offer the camels that I got with me uh, some water to. Because I've been dragging those camels along for so long. One of them spit at me. I wanted to punch him in Jesus' name. He might not have said any of that stuff. But he was really saying, God, I need your help. God, may she not only give me water, but may she water the camels. Look at verse 12. The Bible says, then he prayed, Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today. And show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring, this well, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. They came out at the end of the day, the cool of the day, to draw water and take it back. And so all these women are basically coming up to Eleazar. They're coming up to where the well is. And Look at verse 14. It says, may it be when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink. And I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one that you have chosen for my servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Now, do you do you understand exactly what Eleazar is asking God to do there? He he's he's asking God to do something big. He says he says, God, I want this woman that you send not to just do something that's probably expected, but I want her to be somebody who's going to do something that's expected and then some. Help her not just offer me some water, but after she offers me some water, and, and may she offer some camels, some may, may she may she do that. Now, how many camels was Eleazar dragging around? Ten. He's got, right, he's got ten camels. He's on a camel, he's got nine other camels. There's ten camels there. And so I don't know if you guys ever watch the Discovery Channel, anybody ever watch the Discovery Channel, anybody ever use Google, right? Anybody. Ever, so if you were to ask Google... How many gallons of water a camel drinks? You'll find out that the average camel will drink 53 gallons of water in three minutes. One camel. 53 gallons of water in three minutes. So if he's got 10 camels... And if they're all thirsty, which they probably were, they've been traveling for a long distance. If they're all hungry, each camel drinks 53 gallons. There's 10 camels. How many gallons of water is that? I'm from Pearl. Help me out. 530. 530 gallons of water. And the thing is, they didn't have a water hose back then where they just turned on the faucet, right? Where is he at? He's at a well. He's at a well. That meant you had to lower a bucket into a well. And then after it was full with water, you would crank that joker back up and bring the water to the surface. This was going to require a lot of work. Eleazar, again, is not just asking for a woman to give him some water, but to have enough water also to, 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 to water 10 camels. Folks, he's asking for a lot. How many ladies be like, I, I'm not doing that? Right? I'm going to be real with you. Sometimes I'm at the house. I've got little sweet teas out. I'm looking for a refill. Hey, honey, could you get? And she's like, I just sat down. Go get it yourself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? So I'll look at my kids. I'm like, Lord, if those are the kids you want me to have. I'm not asking for a well or camels. I just need a refill of sweet tea. Anybody do stuff like that? Just me? They don't ever go and get it, man. I don't know what's going on. But again, he's, he says, God, may, may she not only give me water, may she water the camels. And along comes Rebekah. And verse 16 of Genesis chapter 24 says, she was very fair to look upon. That's what the King James says. You know what that means in the Hebrew? It means she was smoking hot. It means she was fine. That's what that means right there. And so she walks up to the well, and all these other women are at the well as well. And so Eleazar says, hey, man, I'm going to ask that girl for some water. And so she offers him some water. And as he's drinking that water and getting some electrolytes in his mind, you know what I mean? He's been traveling. She turns and she sees all those camels. And then she turns back to Eleazar and she says, and let me gather some water for your camels as well. Why'd she do it? Because she was a passionate person. And she knew, again, that you don't just do what is expected of you. You do what's expected of you and then some she understood that whatever you put your hand to do, you do it with all your might, and so she starts drawing that water for those camels. Can you imagine the biceps on that 530 gallons of water? She looked like a fitness model, Xena warrior princess. You wouldn't want to mess with her, right? Again, again, but 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 so she's drawing all that water, and here's the thing, she has no idea that while she's doing that uncommon act of kindness. She has no idea that as she's doing that, that God has his eye on her. She has no idea that as she is doing that, this, that this is a moment of destiny in her life. She had no idea that those camels were loaded down with treasure. She just knew, again, whatever you put your hand to do, you do it with all your might. You don't just do again what's required. You go over and above. And so she waters those camels. And folks, how many of y'all know a camel is ugly, right? Y'all are, I don't think so. They're beautiful animals. Man, look at this, a camel right here. How many of y'all ever dated somebody like that? No, you're like, I'm getting away from them, right? So every time she draws a bucket of water, that's she's taking the water to that. She's taking, again, this is crazy. Camels will spit on you. They are not nice animals. And so she's taking this water with all of her might, full of passion as unto the Lord. And she has no idea again that God is about to hook her up Not only with treasures, but also with a godly husband. And not just that, but she has no idea that she's about to be included in the lineage of Jesus Christ. What set Rebecca apart? What made her so special? What made her so different? It was that she was an and then some kind of person. And it so impressed God that he said, I'm going to bless you more than you can ever imagine. So what about you? What about me? What What about us? Are we and then some people? See, folks, we're blessed. We really are. But do you understand that God wants to do more for you than you can possibly imagine? We're blessed. We really are. But do you understand that God wants to do more through you than you ever imagined? It's true. And if we'll be passionate people, if we'll be, and then some people, I believe we'd actually be blown away by what God accomplishes in us and through us. You say, is it really necessary? Is it really necessary to be an and then some person? Well, I want you to see the words of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is giving his famous Sermon on the Mount. There are people gathered all around him, and so he's giving them some messages, he's giving them some words, he's preaching. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, he says, If anyone forces you to go one mile, you go with them two miles. What in the world is Jesus talking about there? Jesus is actually referring to a Roman law that existed during this time. And that law said that if a Roman soldier was carrying a backpack, if he was carrying something that was heavy and he did not want to carry it, if he looked around and he saw a Jew, he could look at the Jew and he could say, hey, you carry that. And by law, you were going to have to carry what he was asking you to do for at least one mile. That meant you had to stop what you were doing, and you had to do what he was asking you to do. You had to stop what you were doing and go where he was telling you to go, even if it was out of the way, out of of the way from where you were going. It was in a complete opposite direction. You had to do what he was telling you to do, carry that pack for an entire mile. And so Jesus says, if a soldier asks you to carry his bag for a mile, even if you don't want to do it, you do it, you carry it for a mile, but you don't just carry it for a mile, you carry it For a second mile. Jesus said you be and then some person. And what's interesting about that passage is that Jesus is referring to a Roman soldier and a Jew. At this particular time, the Jews didn't like the Romans. They were basically enemies. And so Jesus says when your enemy asks you to do something, you do more than is expected. You do more than is expected. Again, what if we were those kind of people? At work, if you are a painter and you get hired to, to paint someone's house, What would happen if as you were painting that house, you looked in the yard and you saw a dog house in the yard and that dog house needed to be painted too? You thought, no big deal. I'll just paint it while I'm painting the house. They didn't ask you to do it, but you do it. You don't charge them for doing it. You just do it because you want to go over and above. What would happen? I'll guarantee I know what will happen. The next time one of their friends is looking for a painter, the next time they're looking for a painter, they're going to say, hey, let me tell you about such and such. They did over and above my expectations. When was the last time you did something that was not expected? If you're married, what about with your spouse? When was the last time you went over and above with your spouse? See, when you first get married, it's ideal. Everybody's like, this is great. This is wonderful. This is amazing. Again, it's ideal. But pretty soon things turn into an ordeal. And you're thinking, man, what happened? And so pretty soon you think you got a raw deal. And so pretty soon you want a new deal. You know what I'm saying? That's what happens for a lot of people. It's crazy that so many marriages end in divorce. And it shouldn't be that way. And it wouldn't be that way if we would be. And then some spouses. Husbands, when was the last time you did something for your wife that wasn't expected? And I'm not talking about flowers on Valentine's Day. Uh, and, and and, and, And then some husband. They don't just do something occasionally. There's some consistency to it. There's some consistency to it. Husbands, do you go and sit on the couch after you eat dinner and go to snoring? Your wife's just looking at you going, that's the love of my life. Or do you actually get up and go do some dishes in the kitchen? I promise you, if you'll do that for your wife, man, she'll make sure you sleep real good at night. It's called chore play. The more chores you do, the more play will happen at your house. It's, I promise, I promise, husbands, if your wife comes home and sees you vacuuming and dusting and, and, and sweeping, she might pass out, but, but if you finish up and then help her up and help her up and just tell her you love her, man, you'll be blessed. I promise. Ladies, when was the last time you did something unexpected for your husband? And I don't just mean that you bought him some tools on Father's Day or something like that. Maybe he was excited about watching LSU stomp the lights out of Ole Miss yesterday, right? Yeah. And instead of running in there with a vacuum making all kinds of noise while he's trying to watch the game and folding his laundry real Loud, you know how you can do it real loud with a towel and slamming stuff around. What, what if you just went in the kitchen and made some Rotel? And I don't mean regular Rotel. I'm talking about that Rotel with the white cheese, the cream cheese, and some sausage. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Praise the Lord, man. That's good stuff. <laughs> and you took it in there so he could, it had, hey, unexpected, what are you doing, honey? He might think you're poisoning him or something like that. But unexpected, out of the norm. So many marriages get stuck in ruts and so many people get bored in their marriages. Why does it happen? Why? It's because we're no longer passionate about one another. Man, Amanda and I, when we were dating, we used to listen to each other breathe on the phone. You hang up. No, you hang up. It's weird, right? Why would we do that? Because we were passionate. Again. What happens for so many of us in our marriages is we get comfortable. And we've got to learn to take a break from the routine. And we need to not just serve our spouse, but we need to serve our spouse and then some. What about when it comes to church? See, there are so many people who look for excuses not to show up here. It's cold outside. supposed to rain next week we got to get ready you never know got to get our milk that is not the attitude of a and then some follower of Jesus Christ it's not what about when it actually comes to worshiping God see so many think so many people think well here I am I'm at church well praise God I'm excited you know, you're supposed to come. Really? Yeah. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Look at what the Bible says. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good and deeds, and then he says not forsaking, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing because it's deer season and they want to be in the woods instead of being at church, but that's what it says right there, see that, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching, man, so many people are just looking for an excuse not to come, but then there are some people who will show up and say, well, here I am, and again, that's great, but I'm not talking about just showing up. I'm talking about getting involved in worship. A real worshiper of Christ understands that the music is not just some filler before the message. They understand that praise and worship is actually the only thing that God gets something out of when it comes to our morning service. I promise you, listen to me. Right now, at this moment, God is not up in heaven talking to Jesus going, Man, did you just hear what Robert said? He's amazing. We should let him preach again. Let's go back to that church next week. That is not happening. I promise you, God doesn't get anything out of the preaching. It's the worship. It's the way he sees you worship. And when you worship him with all of your heart and all of your might and in spirit and in truth, I promise you, God is pleased and God is happy. God is looking for people who worship him. You say, Pastor, is it really important? Yes. I'm about to show you how important it is. In Acts chapter 16, there's an interesting story. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, they get arrested for causing an uproar in the city. And look what the Bible says, Acts 16, verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. What happens to them? They're stripped and beaten with rods. Watch this. This is terrible. Verse 23. After they had been severely flogged, everybody say severely. This wasn't a normal whooping. (laughs) After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So not only were they stripped and beaten with rods, severely flogged, then they're put into an inner cell in this prison, and their feet and their hands are actually put in stocks. They were positioned in such a way that they couldn't sit down, that they couldn't get comfortable. This would have been a very miserable position to be in. But Paul and Silas don't start complaining here. Look at verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. How, how many people's chains came loose? Everyone. Folks, you know what happens when God's people don't just show up and give God worship, but they give him the worship that he deserves, and then some. You know what happens when followers of Jesus who are going through tough times, but they still show up and don't just give God the worship he deserves, but gives God the worship he deserves, and then some. You know what will happen? People who don't even know God, their chains will come up. They'll be set free. What if there are people in this room right now and God wants to do something big in their heart and in their life? God wants to set them free, but God is waiting on you and me to worship him the way that he deserves and then some. What if we're the ones keeping God from moving miraculously? What if the Bible says that everyone's chains came loose because Paul and Silas worshiped God, I'm telling you, there's something special that happens when God's people get together and give God the praise, glory, and honor that only he deserves. Folks, God is good all the time. And he's worthy of our praise. And we just walk in here, hands in our pocket, arms crossed. God's waiting on you. He's waiting on you not to just do something great in your life, but in the life of someone else. How many of y'all are praying for somebody right now? What if God's waiting on you just to worship him the way he deserves? See, folks, I'm wrapping up. But God wants to mold us into the image of his son, he does. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says, Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children. That's what we're supposed to do. Follow God's example. Well, how many of y'all know we serve a and then some God? Ooh, God doesn't just barely meet your needs. He, He can provide abundantly More than you can ask for, hope, or think. He's not just a barely need meeting God. He's an over and above, an and then some God. And God doesn't just barely forgive your sins. Well, I guess I'll forgive y'all. He separates our sin as far as the east is from the west when it comes to us. Why? Because he's an and then some God. And he didn't just forgive us of our sins when he sent Jesus to die. I mean, that was amazing, and that's a blessing. But he wasn't done. The Bible says in Romans five eight that God demonstrates His own love for us in this: while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, why? Because He's an and then some God. And then Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. Why? So that you and I can live with him forever. He's an and then some kind of God. You say, man, I, I've messed up. Well, God gives second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and sixth chances and a hundred chances and a thousand chances. Why? Because he's an and then some kind of God. You say, my life's a mess. That's okay. He's an and then some God and he can turn that mess into a message. You say, man, my situation doesn't look good. Well, that's all right. He's an and then some kind of God and we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. I'm telling you, he's an and then some kind of God and he wants his people to be an and then some people. He does. He wants his people To be passionate about following Him. Why don't we set passion in motion in our lives? And why don't we set passion in motion right here at Elevate Church? And let's watch God set people free and do what only He can do. I'm telling you, God deserves our passion. He's an and then some kind of God. And you and I ought to be an and then some kind of people. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life, but I wonder today if maybe you're here and you know Jesus, you're saved, but maybe at one point in your life, you were more passionate about following him. Maybe at one point in your life, you seem to pray with more passion. You seem to be more excited about praying. You seem to be more excited about reading your Bible and about coming to church, but something has happened and your passion has kind of faded. What Jesus tells the church is to return and do the things you once did. Set that passion back in motion. If you'd say today God I need forgiveness for letting this heart grow cold. This new heart that God gave you. This new life that God gave you. You'd say pastor I I just want to say I'm sorry to God. Would you pray for me? If that's you, I'm going to ask it right where you are. You raise your hand. Father, I thank you for all these hands who recognize that at one time in their life, they were more more passionate about you. They were more passionate when it comes to their relationship with you. Father, I pray in my own life that you would forgive me because sometimes it seems like I get stuck in a rut when it comes to following you. God, I pray that you would help me not just do what your word tells me, but God, help me do what your word says and then some and surrender my entire life to you, my hope, my dreams, my futures, my future. Father, Father, forgive us for not putting you first. Again, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, but I wonder today if you came in here and you don't know Jesus. Man, and life does have you down. But you came here today because God orchestrated it. And He wants you to know that He is and and then some kind of God. That no matter what it is you've done, He can forgive you. No matter what it is that you're going through, He wants to help you. I'm telling you, that's the kind of God that we serve and so if today you know that you want to surrender to him and you want to give him your heart and you want to give him your life, you want to be made brand new, I'm going to ask it right where I are you, pray this prayer. Father, today, would you forgive me for my sins? Would you save me from my sin? Would you save me from myself? Would you truly set me free? I confess you as Lord this morning I confess you as Savior mold me into a new person Father I pray that you would save me in such a way to where everyone I come into contact with from here on out will know that I'm different And it's because you're living inside of me. Again, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. But I wonder today, if you prayed to receive Jesus, if you prayed to be saved, if you'd do me a favor, just right where you are, would you lift your hand? Let me know that you gave your heart to Christ today. Amen. 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 Father, I thank you for new life. I thank you for salvation. Father, you've done so much for me. You've done so much for all of us. And so, Father... May we be inspired by the passion you have for us. Since you gave us your all, may we passionately do the same for you. May we take up our cross daily and follow you. That's what you're asking. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.